Sundays leading up to Christmas to uh, read a scripture of prophecy in relation to the Lord Jesus coming to the earth. Of course, there's a lot of prophecies about the Lord Jesus, about his ministry, about his, his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, and these prophecies are spoken by uh, different prophets. We, we mentioned uh, Isaiah last week. This, uh, today will be another scripture out of Isaiah. But there's a lot of scriptures about the Lord Jesus. And, um, uh, and that's, I've never done a, a, an in-depth study, but uh, there are plenty of studies. You can go online and, and find them uh, and find all the, all the prophecies. Some Bibles have all of those marked in your, in your Bible about uh, prophecies about the Lord Jesus uh, uh, as far as a study guide there. Uh, but it's, to me, it's amazing that uh, the Lord uh, would prophesy that and record that written down. And so uh, then when it happens, he can go back and say, well, see, I wrote that, you know, a thousand years ago. You know, I wrote that several thousand years ago. And you can't really deny it. You know, of course, Jesus fits all these things. Uh, and, and if you don't have the right mindset, you'll say, well, these things don't fit Jesus. You know, if you're from a, um, many of the Jewish folks don't, don't accept Jesus as the Messiah. And, and, I, and I always think it's amazing. And, and that doesn't make me, uh, I don't have any ill will towards the Jewish family. You know, they, they are. To me, uh, I'm thankful for them because they protected our heritage until the Lord Jesus got here. They were the keepers of the covenant of God and of the, the word of God for all of the centuries, you know. And so, and uh, he, he's never not called them his own people, right? They're, they're his people. Uh, and um, he called them out. He desires for them to know the Messiah like we know the Messiah. But, um, uh, and so we shouldn't have any ill will towards them. Uh, and uh, we're not going to have any crusades against the Jewish people. The Lord still loves them, and, and uh, Jerusalem and Israel still has an important part in the plan uh, of God. Amen. And so, um, it's just like anybody, you know, I mean, to me personally, I don't understand why any intelligent human being wouldn't be a Christian, right? Not just a, not a Jew, but I mean, just any walking around person. If you if you knew anything about the gospel of the plan of God, how could you not be a Christian? How could you not accept the Lord Jesus? You know, aren't you intelligent, right? You're an intelligent human being. How could you not do this, right? Uh, and, of course, some people that are uncaring or, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, why that's the case. Uh, but um, this, this scripture is in Isaiah chapter 7, uh, and it says um, in verse 14, it says, Therefore, uh, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Of course, Emmanuel means God with us. Uh, and, you know, the nice thing about, uh, about prophecies is, it's it's the prophecy is easier once it's happened to understand what was being said right because when you said behold a virgin shall conceive well that just may mean that it may 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 mean that it's her first child right and she'd not uh, had any relations with a man until that first child uh but you know the lord doesn't just do things like everybody else does things uh you know other people may read this well that's not possible right for a virgin to conceive so it has to be talking about something else well no it's exactly what it's talking about that a virgin did conceive right uh, and, of course, uh, I think we, we did a message a while back uh, about uh, why it was important for Jesus uh, to be conceived by a virgin. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> of course, the devil is probably thinking, well, that's not possible, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, so that, that can't be so. Uh, and, um, and, of course, you know, if you look at even like science, you know, science is still, is still trying to progress and figure out a way for women to have children without a man being involved, Right. Uh, and, you know, you wonder why there's such a, uh, such a push for s- such type of science. It's because the devil is an awful person, you know, an awful uh, personality, and he's trying to replicate what Jesus did, right? What, D- what Jesus did supernaturally, he's trying to replicate 
uh, through twisted science. And so, because they're, they're trying to, you know, there's always a fight against God and against God's plan. And uh, God laid it all out, you know, the man and women, you know, men and, uh, men and uh, women, boys and girls. Uh, and the devil hates anything that God laid out, right? And so he's always trying to destroy all the stuff about, you know, transgenderism and homosexuality and all. All that's because the devil hates the plan of God. It, it's, not, it's not because men, you know, just, well, that's, I just love who I love. It's not got anything to do with that. It's because the devil hates God. Uh, and he will twist every plan and will of God. Uh, and people say, well, there's just nothing wrong with that, you know. Well, you know, the thing, the thing that people don't appreciate is we as human beings live in the natural realm. And we get to visit the spirit realm on occasion. Uh, but for the most part, we live in the natural realm. And so we have to acknowledge God by faith. If we could see God in all of his glory and live in the presence of Almighty God uh, all the day, all the day long, um, following the will and plan of God is a non-issue. You would just want to do it because you would see God in his perfection and you'd want to follow him in every, in every plan and desire he has. But when, when, the, when there's a gap between us and the Lord and that gap has to be uh, uh, crossed by faith, then men will devise their own ways of doing things. And they'll think, well, that's my way of doing things. But if they could really see God, it would be, they, they would not want to do anything other than what God wants them to do. Uh, and that doesn't mean God is an ogre. It just means because he's so perfect and holy and just that uh, our natural desire would want to align, align with God. And really, the closer you get with the Lord, the, the, the more you walk with the Lord, the easier it is for you to follow God's will and plan for your life. People, you know, there, there's so much rebellion in the world even in the church, uh, that I want to do what I want to do. Well, that's because you're just full of rebellion, right? And if you would just love God and follow him and pray and spend time with him, the natural desires, your spirit man would grow in that natural desire of your spirit man would override the natural desires of your flesh. And you would just naturally follow God more closely. It's, it's, not, the, it's not like it's uh, God's trying to hold anything back from you because uh, when we uh, get out of the will and plan of God, there's nothing but death and destruction there. Uh, and yet people are okay with death and destruction if they can do what they want to do. Well, I'd rather be dead, you know, and do what I want to do than, than uh, alive and, and be forced to follow God. Well, God's not forcing anybody, you know. Uh, he's, if you follow me, there's, there's blessings and peace and increase and safety and, and health and healing and uh, prosperity and all the other blessings. Or you can have death and destruction. And if that takes anybody more than a nanosecond to decide which way is the best way to go, then there's something wrong with you, Right. And there's something wrong with a lot of people, isn't there, right? You mean, you know, I, I, I can just do what I want to and, and die? Yeah. Hmm, maybe I'll do that, right? Uh, yeah, what, what sane human being would do that? Well, there's plenty of them, right? Uh, and so they're not that, all that sane. But, uh, but the Lord, uh, he said he's going to give us a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that right there tells you that Jesus was not just going to be, you know, a great prophet or a great speaker. He was going to be God. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of the, even the, the Jewish people and even the disciples, uh, you know, it, it took me a while to figure out that it's, the disciples never really understood that Jesus was God. They understood he was the Messiah, but in their minds and the training that they learned as Jewish people was that the Messiah was going to be like a general, you know, a great man of, of God, but not God. And so it was really hard for them to accept it. And you, and you could see that how the, how the disciples, the 12 disciples, even treated Jesus on occasion. Rebuke him, right? Peter grabbed him by the arm. When, you wouldn't grab God by the arm, right? You come over here. You know, you're not going to do that. You wouldn't treat the Lord like that himself, right? But you would treat a general like that because he's flawed and, you know, he can make mistakes. And so, 
but right there, there's a prophecy that says we shall call his name God with us. Uh, and so there are prophecies that Jesus is not going to just be a great uh, Messiah and a great general and a great leader of the world. He was going to be God himself visiting with us on the earth for a period of time. Uh, and, and yet they missed it. How long has this been in here? It's been here forever, right? It's been thousands of uh, This one, uh, Isaiah was written about a thousand years ago. Uh, and so, uh, or a thousand years before Jesus was here, right? So not a thousand years ago. So it's been 3,000 years since Isaiah was written. Uh, and, uh, and he said, I'm going to give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive. Uh, and, of course, uh, all, all of the... Uh, all of the Pharisees, they could have uh, done a little bit more research into where Jesus came from, right? Because they said, well, you're from Galilee. Nobody, nothing good comes from Galilee, which is not really true because there are prophets, good prophets that came from Galilee. But, uh, but if they had just found out, you know, well, tell me where you, where you were born. You know, well, Bethlehem. Well, okay, well, we know something about Bethlehem, right? Uh, well, tell me, you know, uh, about who's your, who's your actual father. Well, you know, and so... Uh, you know, if they had really cared about getting some information, they could have uh, done some more digging and research. Uh, I mean, they could have just Googled Jesus back then and found out all they needed to know about him, right? But um, so uh, we're thankful that the Lord laid it all out. Before he came, he laid out the plan. By prophecy, he laid it all out. So it wasn't like new information. You know, the, the, there's really nothing that Jesus said or did that you can't go back to the old covenant and see that he already laid that out, right? The, all the plan about uh, the sacrifice, all the plan of ministry, all the plan of coming to the earth as a, vir- uh, as a, vir- a born of a virgin. He laid it all out, right? Psalm 22, what he said on the cross about, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He laid it all out. It was all there. Now, it was bits and pieces, and you had to follow the thread. And there's, again, there are Bible uh, studies that you go through. Uh, one of them is called, like, the, the, the thread of Jesus or the, the red thread or something like that, where you go and follow the plan uh, of the prophecy of Jesus throughout the Old Testament and leading up to his, his uh, uh, existence on the earth. And so, uh, it, to me, it's just an amazing plan that Jesus uh, did over thousands of years through dozens of people, prophesied spectacular things that were going to happen, and fulfilled every one of them without failure. Uh, and, uh, of course, some of them are still will be completed uh, at the end of time. Uh, but still, uh, this one right here has been completed. Amen. This one has been fulfilled. We're thankful that he came as uh, born of a virgin, conceived, uh, and was God with us, amen? Uh, and so now he's God in us, amen? So we're thankful he, w- he was God uh, with us, but now he is God in us. And so praise God, the Lord is good, amen? Uh, well, let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute. We'll get into praise and worship. With, with other children of the Most High God, Father, as we stand before you in glory, we'll see you, Father. We'll see the rainbow over the throne of God. Father, we'll be in the presence of, of the Almighty. Father, we thank you that we'll no longer have to interact with you by faith alone, Father. We can see you and be in your presence. Father, we thank you for the time that we're on this earth that we get to experience you by faith. But Lord, we look forward to the day where we see you, Father, in all of your glory. Father, we thank you. Lord, we know that Paul said that we see you as, a, as in a glass darkly, Father. We see aspects of you. We see parts of you, Father. You said in your word, even that the spirit that we have is an earnest and a down payment, Father, 
of the of the actual spirit and the amount of the spirit we will live in and, and walk in, Father, and rest in, in glory, Father. So we thank you, Father, for that which we have now. We look forward, Father, to that which we will have in your presence. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that all of this was begun by the arrival of your child in the earth, of the arrival of the Lord Jesus in the earth, Father. He started, Father, the connection of man and God, Father, of putting God inside of man. Father, we thank you that it was prophesied thousands of years ago that it would happen, Father. Jesus began that process. And yet there's still more glory, Father, for us to have. There's still more glory for us to experience. Even in this earth, Father, there's more of your presence that we can know. There's more of your spirit, Father, that we can walk in. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for these things, Father. Lord, we give, give you all the praise and honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. We thank him for all the wonderful things he's done for us. Amen. We thank him for his presence. And, uh, there, you know, there's nothing better than the presence of the Lord. Amen. And, um, you know, if you get used to that, if you get used to the presence of God, uh, you long for it. You long for that presence. And I think... What happens to a lot of folks as they get older in the Lord and they've they walked with the Lord closely all of their life, um, uh, as they get older and they experience more of the Lord, their longing for being in His presence grows stronger and stronger in their life. And at some point, they're just like, I just want to go. You know, I just want to go on now. Uh, and and I, think that's, I think that's fine, right? I think that's perfectly fine to, to be that way. Uh, and so, in fact, I was... Uh, Listen to Brother Randy, and I never heard him tell the story before. He was talking about how his dad um, went to heaven, and he said that, uh, that he had, his dad had fallen and gotten hurt and had some significant back injuries, and um, um, uh, the, the Lord said, you need to let him go. You know, a lot of times we'll hang on to people, and because people's desire is to not uh, cause other people harm, you know, we'll stay on the earth because somebody else wants us to stay. Uh, and, um, and a lot of times we needed to tell them, hey, it's okay to go on, right? Uh, but sometimes, you know, we can be a little selfish and, and say, well, I want them to stay. Well, you want them to stay in their condition because they're not going to get any better, you know? They're not going to overcome this particular sickness or disease or, or malady, whatever. Uh, but still, you know, we don't know how to let them go. And, uh, and it's something that, you know, you really have to see things in a clear way to, you know, they're going to heaven, amen? Uh, and so... The Lord told Brother Randy, you need to let your dad go because you're holding him here. You know, your desire for him to stay is holding him here. He doesn't want to leave you because you want him to stay. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, you know, with tears, you know, Brother Randy said, you know, I'll do that. You know, and then we've heard lots of stories. Brother Hagen told lots of stories like that, too, uh, about his, his mom and, and different folks in his life. Uh, and there are some folks, you know, that, uh, because the Lord loves you, there, you can negotiate with the Lord to an extent, even for other people. Uh, but then sometimes the Lord is like, because uh, the Lord told Brother Randy, he said, look, your dad has lived his life. Uh, he's completed everything I've asked him to do. It's time for him to go. You know, he's not going to do any more on this earth. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can, you can negotiate, but the Lord can negotiate too. You know, he may say, well, no, it's not, it's not really 
it's not going to be to their advantage for them to stay, right? Uh, I think it was his dad or somebody, or not his, maybe his father-in-law, brother, uh, brother Hagen was talking about. And he said, you know, he, uh, or it may not have been his father, but somebody he knew that was close to him. The Lord said, you know, he's not lived more than two weeks for me in a row all of his life. And he said, he's done, he's, where he's at right now, he's in the best place spiritually he's ever been. Let him come on home. Because he may, not, he may have backslid after that, right? If he stayed on the earth, he might have backslid. And so, you know, uh, the Lord, it's okay to negotiate with the Lord, but you've got to be reasonable, amen? And if he's got a case and you've got a case and his case is better than your case, then you should yield to him, right? Uh, and so the Lord told Brother Randy, you know, let your dad come on home. Uh, and so he said his dad couldn't carry a tune in a, in a number two wash pan, right? I'm not sure what a number two wash pan is, but it, it, it's, uh, it's probably the same wash pan that I own, right? Uh, but he said that... Uh, um, the nurses were in, on his floor, heard, heard somebody singing, and they didn't know who it was, and they went down, and it was his dad singing, uh, and, and uh, singing well, right? Uh, it wasn't singing. You know, if I was singing, they would, you know, they would, they would uh, hit the little red button. You know, we have an emergency down there. Uh, somebody is dying, right? Uh, and, so, <laughs> and so somebody's in pain and agony. We need to do something, right? And that's what they would probably think if they heard me singing. But, uh, but you know, as he was getting closer to, his, to moving over, to heaven, you know, uh, uh, the presence of God is there, and so uh, he was singing all night long, and he told, he told the family, you know, uh, I'm going home tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, his, his wife didn't want him to go, Brother Randy's uh, mom didn't want him to go, and they thought he was crazy, you know, he's just, you know, he's just saying things. And he said, I'm going home tomorrow, you know. And so he started singing, uh, I don't recall the song they were singing, I think Washed in the Blood, uh, but a, a good hymn, and um, uh, and then uh, after, so the nurses went down there and spent some time with him, and then they they left him for a while, and and they didn't hear anything, and they thought, well, he must have fallen asleep, but he went on home to be with the Lord, uh, and so you know, really that that's God's best. Not that he was hurt prior to that, but it's God's best that we know uh, when we're going home, right? God wants to, to us to go home in glory and and. Uh, and praise and, and honoring him, uh, and that was a good way to go, right? Uh, so just know, especially as you get, as you have family members that get older, you know, find out what they want, right? If they want to go home, let them go home to be with the Lord. You're going to see them again, amen? Uh, and, um, you know, we don't want them to go home early, right? Uh, they shouldn't have to go home early, uh, and, uh, you know, Brother Hagin did, did get some of his church members that were going to go home early, you know, hey, let's, let's if you, you can go fine, but don't go sick, right? Uh, and so, you know, he did help out some of them. Uh, but um, uh, when you've completed your work on this earth, then, then uh, you know, or people around you completed it, let them go home, amen? And, and rejoice with them. Don't make them feel bad because they're leaving you. Um, uh, rejoice with them, amen? And it, I know it's tough, right? Uh, uh, and, um, uh, but uh, unfortunately, this, the, this life that we live, death is part of this life. Uh, and um, at some point that will be dealt with. But between now and then, we need to deal with it. Amen. But let's deal with it with the grace. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of First John chapter 1. Uh, there's some other things I wanted to mention about this particular verse here. So we're talking about the judgment of the Lord. What, you know, right now we're talking about what happens when a Christian sins, right? And usually when people think, well, the judgment of the Lord, that's when he puts cancer on you and, you know, he breaks your leg or he causes you to have an accident. That's him judging you. Uh, and, uh, and of course, it's not really true. Uh, and what we want, so we want to find out what really does happen 
when a Christian sins. And so uh, let's find out from the Word of God. And, and, and to be honest, there's a lot of information in the New Testament. We could teach on this for months on end and probably still not get uh, everything we need to get out of it uh, or get everything that can be gotten out of it. But uh, we're, we want to get the things that the Lord needs us to hear today. Uh, and so he said here, 1 John 1, 9, we know this verse. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if that's true, why wouldn't you want to confess your sins? Uh, is he, is he going to forgive you? Yeah. Well, then, then what's the problem, right? Well, why is it so hard for Christians to confess their sins? Well, to confess your sins, you have to confess that you were wrong, right? That you, that you did it and nobody made you do it, right? And that can be hard, right? Some people, they, they just, they, they will never admit that they're wrong. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, they will go to their grave before they'll admit that they're wrong. Uh, and some people will do that. And it's like, well, that's, that's just so dumb, right? Just, you're wrong. Uh, are you breathing air? Yeah, well, then you're wrong. Uh, I mean, you just get over it, amen? Are you, are you the Lord Jesus? No, well, then you're wrong. There's somewhere in your life that you're wrong. Uh, and, uh, and there's no need in, in acting like you never made a mistake, amen? Because, uh, first of all, it's just pride, right? I mean, it's not just garden variety pride, not even interesting pride, just boring pride. Uh, and so, uh, and we, so, so if you're going to confess, uh, it says if we confess our sins, then we're not confessing somebody else's sins. Well, Lord, they did wrong. He didn't say confess other people's sins. He said confess your own sins, amen? Uh, and so when you repent, you should never bring anybody else in on your repentance, amen? Some people are really bad. Well, Lord, they made me do it. Well, then you're not confessing anything because what you're saying is, is I'm not at fault. And that's not, as, if you're not at fault, then there's no sin that has occurred. But you know a sin has occurred. You know that you've done wrong. You know you said things you shouldn't have done or said or done things you shouldn't have done. Uh, and so, uh, you know, confessing your sins should be really easy. Lord, I did it. Uh, and, th- and it's the way I do it. I say, Lord, I did it. And I say, nobody made me do it. I did it of my own free will. I never bring any of us into my, my, uh, my repentance uh, because nobody else actually made me do it. Uh, now, I may have allowed them to get under my skin. I may have allowed them to push my buttons. I may have, you know, accepted the hurt that they try to put in my life and, and, and responded to that. But it, everything I did or said was my choice. Nobody made me do it. There's no other way to confess other than you confess that you're at fault. Amen. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of people who, who initiate things, right, uh, and try to bring harm into your life, and you respond in a, in a poor way. And yeah, they were wrong to do that. And the Lord talks about that, right? We don't have time to go into it, but go over to Luke 17, right? He said, it's impossible that, that offenses will come. He said, but woe unto those who, through whom they come. You know, people are going to bring offenses into your life, ca- try to cause you to sin. And Jesus said, woe unto them. But then he spent the entire rest of the chapter, at least that section of the chapter, talking about you, right? You need to forgive. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, it is true that people can do things to cause offense to come into your life. But you, of course, have to accept it. If you choose not to be offended, then, then they can bring all the offense they want to, and you can't be offended. I chose a long time ago not to get offended. I, you, don't, you don't like me? I don't care, right? I mean, you want to snub me? And I've had, you know, people just act like they're better than me, and, and I don't care, you know, and... You know, sorry I offended you. Well, you didn't offend me. Uh, and so uh, you may have tried to offend me, but you didn't offend me because I'm, I'm not, I can't be offended. Amen. I have to, uh, because to be offended uh, uh, would mean that I've got to be somebody important enough to be offended. Well, I'm, I'm made out of dirt and clay. There's no, uh, I'm not even qualified to be offended. Uh, and so, so if you're going to confess, your confession should be really simple. Just the simplest thing. Lord, I did it. Nobody made me do it. I chose to do it. Because, see, if you chose to do it, then you could choose to not do it next time. Amen? But if somebody made you do it, then, then you're just going to sin tomorrow the same way, right? If, if, if somebody made you mad or somebody made you do that, 
You know, you, you don't know the things I'm going through. Well, then you're just going to live a life that just, uh, you know, uh, the Lord wants us to increase every day, right? Get better every day and be more like him every day. But a lot of Christians, they just stay kind of static, right? Sin a little bit, repent a little bit, sin a little bit, repent a little bit. And they never grow in the Lord. They kind of, and they'll be that way all their life. Uh, and they'll never know the great blessings of the Lord. They'll never know the great revelation of the Lord. They'll never know the great presence of Almighty God because he doesn't live in, you know, he's not going to forsake you, but he doesn't dwell in a supernatural way, in a, in a manifested way uh, among sin. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people are okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I want all that the Lord wants me to have. If you ever get a taste of glory, you'll want all that you can possibly get in this life. Amen. You'll, you, you won't be satisfied with mediocrity uh, of the natural world. Uh, and so confess your sins. Now, he didn't say confess them to everybody. I know there's a verse that says confess your sins one to another, but that doesn't mean you have to get up in public, right? I mean, it, and that's really as the Lord would lead you. Uh, and the vast majority of times, it should be between you and the Lord. Because first of all, if you run around and confess your sins, a lot of people won't even know that you committed a sin until you tell them. Uh, you know, I need to ask you to forgive me, you know. Uh, I've been mad at you for six years. I didn't even know. What are you mad about me for? Well, because you said, oh, I didn't say that. You know, and then it's a big argument, right? And, uh, and, um, uh, and I, had, I had a lady come confess to me, you know, I need, I need, to, I need to talk to you. Okay, what, what do you know about it? She said, well, you know, you remember we had this conversation, you know, like, it was like three years ago. You remember we had this conversation? And I said, nobody cares about me. Said, yeah, I remember. I mean, we were standing. I mean, we, it was before we renovated, but it was right over there, right? I remember. We were right there. Uh, and um, she said, well, I was talking about you. That nobody, you don't care about me. No. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I never, I never picked up on that, right? No. Because I do care about you, you know? And so that you, I'm thinking, well, you're not talking about me because I care about you. But, but she, in her mind, because I didn't do certain things that she wanted me to do, you know, like write her big checks or I don't know what she wanted me to do. But, uh, uh, you know, that I, I didn't care about her. And so I was just clueless because like, well, you can't be talking about me because I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of times people accuse me of things and I, I'm sorry, I didn't even know, you know? And so... Uh, and, uh, we don't have time to go to all of the things, but you know, the, the, with my pastor, he was mad at me for like five years. Uh, I told him, you know, he, there was a big controversy about some finances of the church, and I told him what to do. He chose not to do that and ended up costing a bunch of money. And he got mad at me because it cost him money, but he, it wasn't because I told, I told him to do something the exact opposite, right? I told him to do A, he did B, and then he ended up getting, costing him a lot of money, and he's mad at me for like five years. Uh, and one, we were at praise and worship practice, uh, and, and I said something, he got so mad at me, just screaming at me, you know, during, I, I'm sitting on the front row, and, and, uh, and he said, you cost me a bunch of money, and in that moment, this has been five years, in that moment I realized, that's what he's been so mad at me about for all these years. You know, maybe I'm just a little slow, but, but you know, he harbored that ill will against me for five years, and I hadn't even done anything wrong. I mean, it's one thing if you do something wrong, it's like, okay, I can own it, right? But if I hadn't done anything wrong, you're still mad at me? I'm not going to lose not even a wink of sleep. Now, I didn't lose a wink of sleep either way, but, but uh, I'm going to lose less of a wink of sleep if you're mad at me and I hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, and so, but anyway, uh, if, if you're going to confess, confess your own sins. Own it, right? It's, if you don't own it, then you're not really confessing your sins. Amen? If you don't say, Lord, I did it. I chose to do it. Nobody made me do it. Then you're just going to live in the, with that sin because he said, what's the, result, what's the result if you commit that sin? Well, apparently there is unrighteousness in, in your life that you need to be clean, cleansed from. Every time we commit a sin, we commit it. Now, we, we are not unrighteous when we do that, but we have committed an, an act of unrighteousness that from a spiritual standpoint, Jesus said, you need to get that out of your life. You need to be cleansed from that unrighteousness, right? Because we want to live in a state of, of cleanliness between us, spiritual cleanliness in the, in the Lord. And if you go to the old covenant, 
all kinds of laws about being unclean. Uh, and every time they were unclean, uh, well, very often when they were unclean, they had to separate themselves from, from Israel for seven days, right? If they did certain things, you get spit on or you do certain things. Uh, Miriam, was, was un- she was out of the camp for seven days. You've got to separate yourself from the Lord for seven days, right? And so now in the New Testament, it's not a, it's not a seven-day period, but the whole, the whole purpose of them writing those laws was to show us that there is a separation uh, between us and the Lord when sin occurs, now, did the Lord separate us? No, you separated yourself from the Lord. You walked away. He, he hasn't moved. He's exactly where he's been for all eternity. He's not moved. And then sometimes we will walk away from him. We'll say things we, we know we ought not say, do things we know we ought not do, whatever the thing is. And in that moment, we've decided to walk away from the Lord. Did the Lord push you away? He didn't push you away. Did he, did he throw you outside? No, you, your actions did that. Uh, and and it's, it seems like it's the hardest thing for uh, in our society, especially nowadays, where we just don't want to accept any responsibility for anything. Nothing is our fault. Well, everything you are today is because of everything you've, you've chosen to do. Amen? And if you'll own that, well, then you can change that. Well, I don't like how I am, but then change it. Uh, it's really simple. Just, just do something different. Amen? Uh, and find out what the Word says. Uh, and so, uh, so when, you, when you commit a sin, then that causes an issue between you and the Lord. Now, it's not because the Lord's punishing you. You chose to do that. And, and the, the, the problem is, is when you step outside of the grace of God and commit an act of, of sin, then that's entirely on you. Nobody made you do it. You chose to do that. And, and so uh, that, that's not, the, the Lord wants you back. He's not trying to get rid of you. He's not mad at you. He said, here's how to get back. Amen. Uh, and, and he said, if he's faithful, that means he'll always do it. Well, what if I've done it a hundred times? Well, if faithful, he'd still do it. Uh, there, there was a story where the Lord Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin was telling a, about a woman, we won't go into the whole story, but uh, she was a pastor's wife, left her husband, uh, started sleeping around. And the Lord told, G, told Brother Hagin, he said, if she, if she had uh, done this a thousand times, he said, I'd still taken her back. Yeah. And, and so did the Lord take back the, the woman caught in the very act of adultery? He did, right? Did he take, did he take the, the man back on the cross that was a sinner and asked the Lord to Remember him? He did, right? I mean, he's on his last breath. Well, the Lord's not going to take you in the last breath. He took him on his last breath. Uh, now, what did, the, what did the thief miss out on? The glory of God, living in the glory of God, right? And people, I'm going to wait till my death confession. Well, then it's going to get there a little sooner than you expect because if you're living with God, you can have a long life. If you're not living with God, you just don't know, right? Uh, and so, uh, but if you live with God, the Bible says that with long life, he'll satisfy you. Satisfy you. Don't you want to have a satisfying life? A life of joy and peace and, and prosperity and not 20 years on, a, on an IV stuck in a bed somewhere. That's not satisfying, right? You're alive, but that's not very satisfying. And so God only wants good for you. If you could believe that, if God only wants good, good for you, then it should be easy to confess your sins. Well, I feel bad, so the Lord doesn't care. He, you know, he's giving you the way out. He's paid for this. And see, a person of faith can, can see this and go, then I'm going to go confess my sins. A person of weak faith can go, I don't, it bothers me well, then you're going to be stuck in that uncleanliness. Now, you, now you would still go to heaven, right? There's no, it doesn't say that if you don't do this, you're not, not, going, to, you're not going to make it to heaven. And that's the, the, the problem that we still have in the churches. They say, if you commit a sin, you're not going to make it to heaven. Well, then why is 1 John 1, 9 there, right? We talked a lot about that. We're not going to go back and rehash all the scriptures from that. But, but uh, clearly, your, your relationship with the Lord as, as his child does not change because of the, of the mistakes that you make. Amen. Uh, is that true? Well, it's true, right? Uh, and so, uh, 
so he said, uh, he is faithful and just to, uh, to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you, all, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, so just confess. A person of faith would do that. Uh, and, and, and then uh, oftentimes, you know, you have to forgive yourself because a lot of times people will make a mistake and they will take themselves out of the plan of God. You know, God's got them doing something, whatever it is, and they say, well, I'm unworthy to do that, so now I'm going to step aside. I'm going I'm to start, I'm going to stop doing what God told me to do. Uh, and the Lord didn't tell you to do that. Uh, and so a lot of times you need to forgive yourself. Uh, and so do that, amen? Uh, because he said he is faithful and just to, be, to forgive you of your sins. Uh, and so, and to cleanse you from unrighteousness. So let's turn back to, to John chapter 13 because Jesus was kind of messing with Peter a little bit here uh, and talking about something that really uh, was for the future but it was, was making a, a case for it here in the, in the present time. So in John chapter 13, there, uh, you think about it, John's got, uh, what, 21 chapters, and in John chapter 13, they're already at the, uh, uh, the Last Supper. So, so most of the book of John, uh, or much of the book of John, is the last week of the, the, the life of Jesus. And so here, they're at the, at the Supper, uh, and uh, uh, so they've eaten, right, whatever they had, and it says... Uh, Let's, uh, uh, well, let's, we'll just start uh, in verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he would come from God and went to God. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Anybody been to a foot washing service? That's why we do foot washing services. They're awful. We'll probably never have one here, you know. <laughs> the Lord Jesus will probably have to appear to me in a burning bush for us to have one, you know. But, uh, but uh, see, I just need to learn uh, what I need to learn here without having to do foot washing, right? Because it's not the mechanical act is what you need to do here, right? And so I'm glad Jesus did that. He's a great example for me. You know, someday I'll be just like him, right? But um, uh, I fall far short of him. So <laughs> anyway, so um, then he came to Simon Peter. Uh, uh, and Peter said to them, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? See, uh, it, it, was, it was stunningly uncomfortable for the disciples to allow Jesus, their, their rabbi, right, their master, uh, the, the, the son of God, right, uh, the Messiah, to wash their feet because it was such a humbling thing. It, it's what the servants did, right? Uh, and back in this day, it was common uh, when you traveled that uh, because there weren't paved roads, every, every road was a dirt road. Uh, and so it was common for you to come into someone's house that was especially a wealthy person, they would have a servant that would come and wash your feet because they would be dirty from the traveling. And so that was a common thing that they would do. And, and it was always assigned to the, to the servant, right? To the least person in the household to do that job. Not to the house owner. It, they would never do that, right? But they would assign a servant, uh, usually a servant girl to do that. Uh, and so here Jesus is taking that role on. So it's making Peter really uncomfortable. And I can understand that, you know, and, and just, just not even so much about the feet, but just that he would, he would uh, in my mind, belittle himself in such a way, right? Lower himself to such a position. Of course, it wasn't for Jesus, it wasn't any big deal of that because he's the greatest servant of all. Uh, Jesus said, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. So he's telling Peter, you know, I'm doing this as an example of what you, what you need to understand in the future, right? So it's not really for today, but I'm doing this for today because you're here. But, the, but just remember, you'll know what I'm talking about later on. 
And Peter said to him, Lord, uh, thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So Jesus is, is again, he's using an allegory here of washing feet, but that's not what the point is. So again, uh, uh, the whole point of this is talking about the future when Jesus washes us clean from his blood, right? But we being humans, we miss all that. Well, the most important thing in here is wash your feet. That's not the most important thing, right? We're missing the whole point. Uh, and so don't we like to have foot washing services? Oh, aren't we servants? Yeah, you're missing the point. The point is what Jesus was planning on doing for all of humanity by going to the cross and washing us. And Jesus said, if, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. He's not talking about giving him a bath with water. He's talking about washing him in the blood of Jesus. Uh, and Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a whole bath. Uh, and, of course, it's Peter, right? Peter's, Peter's extreme. It's either 100% or zero, right? I mean, there's no way in between. It's like, okay, just, you know, just my left foot. No, it's like it's everything, right? And so uh, Jesus said, um, He that is washed needeth not save uh, or but or except to wash his feet, but is clean every whit or clean uh, in every way, uh, and you are clean but not all. And so now he's, he, you know, Jesus was always really good to, to mishmash a whole bunch of things, and you just had to figure out what he was talking about, right? And, and, and to be honest, most of the uh, disciples, nearly the entire with Jesus, like, I have no idea what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about, right? And we, we know because we see the big picture, but in the middle of it, they're like, I got nothing. I don't, what's he, you know what he's talking about? I, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, and so, so he said, he that is washed needed not but to wash his feet. So he needs just a little cleansing. So this is talking about 1 John 1, 9, right here. He's talking about the, in the fact that after we get born again, we're made clean by the blood of Jesus. But every now and then, you need your feet clean. Not your whole body. You don't need to be all made, made brand new and cleaned all the way. Jesus said, you don't need to be cleaned all the way. That's what he told Peter. Isn't that what he said? Right? Well, you don't need to be cleaned all the way. You just need a little clean, uh, cleaning, cleaning, right? Just your feet. And, and when we commit a sin, that's what the problem is. We've got a little cleaning that needs to be done. And so get t- go, go take care of that. Amen. Well, j- j- wash me all the way in the blood of Jesus again. Jesus, I already did that. You, are you saved? Aren't you, did you accept me one time as your Lord and Savior? Then you're already clean. But that right there, that, that one little spot uh, needs some addressing. Uh, so don't ask for a complete shower head to toe, a complete uh, bath from head to toe. You don't need that as a child of God. But on occasion, you do need your feet clean. And so you need to let the Lord do that. See, Peter, was, 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 he, it made him uncomfortable for the Lord to do that. And a lot of Christians are uncomfortable getting clean. You know, they, they, but they need it, don't they, right? Because after a while, it's like, did somebody take their shoes off? I mean, somebody needs to clean their feet, right? Uh, and so and I know people, they take their shoe off, uh, and, and it's like, okay. You don't even have to hear it or see it. You're just like, okay, it happened. Who was it? I know, I know somebody did it, right? Uh, and so... Uh, so they, they need some addressing in that area. Now, the rest of them are fine, right? Well, just keep your shoes on, right? Uh, that, that, that may solve part of that problem there. Uh, and so, so when, when a Christian commits an act of unrighteousness, they need a little cleansing, right? Not a whole full body uh, cleansing, right? Just that one area, that one thing where they've decided to go off the rails, the Lord Jesus says, we need to address that one thing. And, and that should be your... That should be a normal, healthy part of your life is to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I did this. I said this. I did this. I went there. I, you know, whatever it is I, that you did. And, and we talked about how do you know? Well, who lives on the inside of you? 
The Holy Spirit. You know, well, what's his first name? Holy, right? Not really his first name. It's his title. But, uh, but if he's holy, then that means he has, he has an aversion to sin. Uh, and if you commit a sin, then, then you'll know it. Because the Holy Spirit in you will be like, we don't like that. We don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable, right? He'll let you know. And, and you're, there'll be something in your spirit be like, there's some, something wrong. And the Lord said, yeah, what you said there, that's wrong. What you, what you did there, that's wrong. And then, uh, and then your, your only response should be, yes, sir, uh, I'll repent. Amen. That should be your quick and your only response is, yes, sir, I'll repent, right? And so you, you need to be like Peter and allow the Lord to cleanse you, because he said he would do that, right? To cleanse you from all that unrighteousness uh, and so that you can get back to where, not that you're now a, a son again, you were always a son of God or a child of God. That position never changed. You were a son of God before or a child of God before you committed a sin. While you were committing the sin, even after you committed a sin, you're still a child of God. But there's some cleansing that needs to take place in your life. Amen? Uh, and so let's turn over to the book of Galatians. Um, and so in Galatians, so... So, we, so one of the things we observe is that when you commit a sin, that there is some unclean, uh, uncleanliness that has occurred in your life. Uh, and that will become a hindrance to you, uh, between you and the Lord. Uh, and so Paul is talking about here, uh, this is one of my, my favorite verses, because um, a lot of times people will say things, well, God allowed that, that tragedy to happen in your life. God allowed the sickness, or God allowed that, that poverty, or God allowed that, that uh, business uh, to fail, or whatever, be, uh, because of your sin. And I don't, I don't like that phraseology at all, because it doesn't give me any insight. Because when I, say, when, when I, when I hear people say, well, God allowed that, that means, it, it, to me, it implies that in heaven, God is going, uh, well, I could allow it, or I could not allow it. Go ahead and let it happen. Right? I could allow this tornado to take about the house, or I could keep it from happening, but go ahead and allow it to happen. See, it, it seems to me like God is making a decision. When you say God allowed it, that he's decided that he wants that to happen. Well, that's not appropriate. There's no Bible verse that says it like that, but we, we, try to, we say it like that because we're trying to explain why these things happen. Uh, and so let's see what the Word says. I, I would much rather go with what the Word says and follow that plan. And so Paul's saying here, and this is a great, you should confess this over your own life on a regular basis in verse 20. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Well, are you crucified with Christ? What, what is the uh, primary, the crucifixion that he's talking about is from the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus laid down his life, what he wanted to do, right? Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the, life, and the life that I now, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Where, where do we live? We live in the flesh. Don't we live in this natural realm? I live in it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a great confession. You should confess that over your own life. I am crucified with Christ. That means I, I, I don't have a choice. I have chosen to give my choice over to the Lord. Uh, now, if he doesn't have a choice uh, and, and I'm, at the, uh, you know, I'm at the restaurant, then if he doesn't care, then I'm going to get a cheeseburger. But if he cares, you know, I'm, you know, he may want me to get a corn dog, right? If I, you know, Lord, if he, I mean, if you really want me to get a corn dog, you know, and I don't know that that has ever happened in the history of ever, but, you know, uh, but if he did, right, then, then, you, then you should, okay, Lord, then I'll get the corn dog. Amen? If, if that's, if, if from the, for the foundation of the world that that was the plan of God, that you eat a corn dog that day, then you should, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. That's how we should live with the Lord, right? 
Sometimes he doesn't have a care. What color car? He doesn't care. More than likely he doesn't care, right? Uh, and so it wouldn't hurt to ask, right? But he'd be like, I don't care. It's whatever you want. Uh, and so uh, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I, I, uh, my choices have, have, been, have come to an end, and my only choice is God. Uh, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Uh, and so it's not just you, right? Christ lives in you. Uh, and the life which I now live in this flesh, in this natural world, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me. So, so why do you want to do this? Because he loved me. And why do you want to do this? Because he gave himself for me. Does he love you? Did he give himself for you? Then it should be easy for us to decide to live for him. Uh, the, the, so, the, I, I, it's just, I, I really, it bothers me for people that they struggle so much with the simple idea of God is worthy to be served that God is the one that, uh, that we should only serve in this life. Because I want to do what I want to do. Well, then, then have nothing. The Lord wants to, to, to let you do the things that are, are aligned with his will, but also give you a good and a joyful life. He's not trying to withhold anything from humanity at all. It's just humanity, you know, they, they get confused. They think, well, well, I want to do what I want to do. It's not what God wants me to do. Well, see, you're mishmashing all the... When you say you're, doing, you're saying what your flesh wants to do, your spirit man only wants to serve the Lord. If you would ever hear your spirit man, it'd be like, yeah, serve him. He's the, he's the way to go. He loves you and gave himself for you. Serve him. Uh, your spirit man would always say that. Uh, and your spirit man is actually who you are. Amen. Your flesh is not actually who you are. It's just, it's just your container of, of your spirit man. Uh, and he says, so, so he does those things and gave himself for me. And he says in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. And so verse 21, the beginning of verse 21, it is, it is the issue. When you commit that sin, right, whatever the sin is, then uh, uh, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. All that we have comes from the grace of God. Everything we own on this earth comes from the grace, the unmerited favor of God. Uh, and so God desires to give you each and every day unmerited favor, blessings and increase and prosperity and health and soundness of mind and fullness of joy. That, that's his desire for you. And when we commit a, a sin or an infraction against the will and plan of God, uh, he is frustrated. So uh, if, you, if you understand what frustrated means, right? Frustrated means you want to do something, but you're unable to do it. You ever been frustrated? You, you want to do something, but you're on it for whatever reason, right? You don't have the money or you don't have the time or you don't, you know, uh, or you're trying to help somebody and, well, you know you can help them, but they won't let you help them. You ever been frustrated wanting to help somebody, but you can't because they don't want you to help them? I can do it. Well, you can't, but just try it anyway, right? And let me know when you, when you fail, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, and so the thing about frustration is it doesn't change your will. See, when you frustrate the grace of God, it doesn't change his will. He still wants to help. He's just unable to because of your choices, right? That's what frustration means, right? His will, has not, he is not allowing that to happen. See, that implies he's changed his will. No, he hasn't changed his will. He does not want that bad thing to happen to you, but he's frustrated his grace can't get to you because of the choices you've made. Well, you know, he should tell me. He, he did tell you. His spirit lives on the inside of you. People are like, well, you know, I need, I need more, of, you know, I need a bigger sign. Well, he gave his sign of his word. He gave a sign of his spirit already, right? When we say things like that, we sound like the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus said, it's a, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. See, somebody want, some, many people want a spectacular burning bush, the skies part, thunders roll, uh, for the, and God tell them, don't do that. And the Lord's like, that's not faith. Faith is 
the Spirit of God inside you, you'll have a little unction that says, yeah, don't do that. Well, it wasn't very loud, so I'm going to go do it anyway. Unless it's loud, then I'm going to go do it. And the Lord's like, well, I'm not required to be loud. I'm not required to operate the way you want me to operate. I will operate the way that I've laid it out in my word, how I will operate. And I will operate primarily by an unction in your heart. I will give you an unction. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't spend that. Don't buy that. Don't sell that. That's be an unction. And you should train yourself. If that's unction in you says stop, then you stop. Well, you know, and he's not obligated to tell you why to stop. He's just obligated to tell you to stop, right? To don't do that. And so uh, you frustrate the grace of God. See, his ability to, to give you unmerited favor is frustrated. Hasn't changed his will. He's, but he's unable to do it. And so uh, is that something that, that he is, is putting on you? No, when, you, when you're on your own, right? Because if, if the grace of God is not flowing freely in your life, then you're kind of on your own. Is that God's fault? No, but a lot of Christians have resentment to the Lord. Well, you should have just given it to me anyway, Lord. Are you going to tell the Lord how to operate now? Are you going to tell him how to, how to handle humanity? You know, we're so small-minded. Just follow his will and plan, and the grace flows freely all, all the days of your life. The unmerited favor of God flows freely through your life, all the days of your life, if you'll just follow his plan. Amen? Now, when he's frustrated, his will has not changed. He wants to. He's unable to. Well, who, who made him unable to? You. Your will is the only thing that is sovereign in this universe. It, it is so sovereign that even God would not override your will. Uh, and a lot of people are stuck because uh, the only thing holding back God's will and blessings in their life is their will. God will not override your will. Uh, he's, he, he said, when he said, let us make man in our image, that was the primary way that he was talking about. He's going to make you sovereign just like he's sovereign, right? Does anybody make God do anything? Nobody makes God do anything. Does anybody make you do anything? Nobody, even God, doesn't make you do anything. Now, if you're an intelligent human being, you will choose to do things. Follow God. Follow his plan. Follow his word. Uh, and that makes it really easy. Amen? Now, and so, uh, we've got a few minutes. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 15. So, uh, you know, I'm just, the thing I want to drive home about anything today is, when you commit a sin, there is a little bit of unrighteousness that occurs in your life that needs to be cleansed. That does not change your relationship with the Lord. Amen? A lot of people think, they sin, I'm no longer a child of God. That is not true. That's not what Jesus told Peter in, in John chapter 16. He said, you're clean already, you just, but you need, you need some, some touch-up work. Uh, and so uh, here, uh, we'll see how far we get, we get with, this, uh, with this story here. But uh, this, is the, this is the parable of, of um, uh, the prodigal son right here, right? Uh, and so this is in Luke chapter 15. Let's start in verse 11. It says, a certain man had two sons. So what was the relationship between this man and these two, these two uh, men, these other two boys? He was their dad, right? Were, were they his son? Uh, uh, and so, all right, well, we need to remember that, right? Uh, so they're his children. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto them his living. So was that the blessings of the father? Well, yeah. Do we, have the, do we get to have the blessing of the father when we're his children? We do, right? Uh, and so... And it said, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Well, so he was out doing riotous living. Uh, was he still the son? He was still his son, right? Did he stop being his son? No, did he stop being his son? Uh, well, 
and it, well, we can keep on here. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And, when he, and, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. You know, for a Jewish person, that'd be at lowest of the low, right? To feed swine, right? Because swine were a terrible thing. They'd eat pork, right? Uh, and so uh, he said he would fain uh, to have filled his belly with husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So now, was his dad apparently a person of some means? He was, right? Because he gave him all the stuff, right? Uh, and um, who chose to go out and do this riotous living? Son did, right? Uh, did the father go chase him down? No. Uh, where's his father at? He's back at the house. Did, did his father, would, I mean, was his father giving him things prior to him going and doing his riotous living? Yes. Is his father doing that now? No. Whose choice is it that his father's not helping him right now? It's the son's choice, right? It's his own actions that has caused his father to be frustrated, right? Was his father a good father? Seems like he was a pretty good father, right? I mean, I can't imagine going to my dad, Dad, can I have my inheritance now? Shut up. Get out of here, you know. Uh, I mean, he'd have just, you know, uh, he said, well, you know, you'll give somebody else inheritance. If you stick around me, you're gonna, I'm going to take your life right now, right? And, and um, you're going to, but anyway, so. Um, so, uh, the son was a son before he left. The son was a son while he was in the middle of riotous living, but he was, the, the father was frustrated and did not chase him down. You know, and that, uh, uh, years ago, the Lord showed me, because if you go through these parables, it, there's at least three parables in this chapter, right? Some of the parables, remember, they go, went and found the sheep, right? And they found the lost coin. But here, nobody chased the son, right? Uh, and so there's no, there's no biblical principle that says, uh, for example, if somebody leaves the church, I'm not obligated as a pastor to go chase him down. Now, I have chased many people down. But sometimes, in fact, the Lord has spoken to me. You don't go chase them down. That person right there, you don't go chase them down. Well, why not, Lord? I mean, sometimes he'll tell you, but, you know, uh, uh, in, in that particular instance, he said, well, you've already chased him down twice, right? So don't chase him down again. Uh, and by this time, they should be chasing people, right? You know, a lot of times, uh, there was one fellow in Brother Hagin's church uh, that uh, there was two people in the church and one person was a, a real baby Christian uh, and, um, you know, he'd backslide and the Lord said, you go restore him. And he'd go restore him, right? And, uh, and then he backslid again and the Lord said, you go restore him. And he went as a pastor of the church. He went and found him and, and restored him again. You know, uh, the man had cussed on the job and, and just felt like he's backslidden. That's all he did was cuss on a job and, and, and just and quit coming to church. And, and, and the Lord told brother, hey, you go find him, right? You know, so for baby Christians, oftentimes you'll do that because they don't know. They think they, they've committed the unpardonable sin, right? And so you go and restore them, and, and Galatians 6, 1 says you go restore people like that. Well, one of the deacons quit coming to church. Uh, and, um, uh, and so Brother Hagin didn't go chasing the, de the deacon. Uh, and finally, the deacon went to Brother Hagin's house, you know, all mad, crying, you know, you never come visit me. And Brother Hagin said, yeah, and I never will. He said, you should be out visiting people. You should be out chasing these people down. You should be out being a leader of the church. And you should be uh, going and doing these things instead of me having to treat you like a three-year-old. Now, you know, Brother Hagin, that's what Brother Hagin, you know, he didn't say the three-year-old part, but he did talk about, you know, that you should be doing these things instead of me chasing you down. Uh, and so there's no biblical mandate that says if somebody leaves the church, you go chase them down. If somebody walks away from you, there's no mandate that you've got to go do it. If the Spirit of God says to go do it, you go do it. Amen. So you don't be getting rebellious. I'm not doing it. Well, sometimes you've got to do it. Sometimes it's helpful to people that you go do it, right? amen? And I'm not above doing it, right? I'm not mad, you know, if somebody leaves a church, the, you know, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
You know, sometimes you chase them down, sometimes you don't. And so I don't have any law about it because uh, I see it in both cases here. Amen. So uh, now, he, what was his position with the father before he left? He was a son. What was his position with the father while he was out committing righteous living? Still a son, right? Uh, and so uh, he said in verse 17, and when he came to himself, that sounds like what we read in, in uh, uh, Timothy the other week about when you oppose yourself. You ever come to yourself? What am I doing? That means your spirit man finally has got through to your thick skull and said, dummy, you know, you're outside the will and plan of God. Straighten up, right? When he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? And so he, uh, he said, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and, and no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And so uh, this man is stupid like most Christians are, right? I'm going to go make a deal with God. God, you know, I'm unworthy because I've committed this act. And the Lord's like, okay, you're telling me that your action was greater than, than the blood of Jesus, right? Because that's what he's saying, right? That he's saying that what he's done is greater. In fact, I was on an airplane with a guy not long ago, and he said, yeah, I just, I just feel like I, I, I've, uh, I've done too much, you know, that... Uh, I'm not even going to church anymore. I've just sinned too much against the Lord. I said, that's amazing. You're an amazing human being. I said, your sin is greater than the blood of Jesus. Well, I wouldn't say that. I said, that's what you're saying. Said, you're saying that, that, you're, you're, that you're one action there, that the blood of Jesus paid for the sins of the entire world, but your action there was greater than all the sins of the whole world because the blood covered all the sins. But you're, one, the one thing you've done, the little baby thing you've done, now is worse than everything combined that everybody's ever done. You're an amazing human being. Yeah, well, when you put it like that, you know, I mean, uh, and, and, but that's, don't we say that many times? What I've done is so bad, and Jesus is like boring, it's not even close. I mean, he, you're saying that, that the blood of Jesus is insufficient for your sin, that it's not good enough for your tiny little sin. Are you willing to say that? Are you willing to sign up for that? Are you willing to make that, that statement? I mean, that's, that is not true, right? It's not even... It's not even not true. It's so close to, I mean, it's so far from being true. It's embarrassing, right? You should be embarrassed even saying things like that. But don't we make the same deal? Well, Lord, I'm going to come back, but just let me sit on the back row and I won't bother anybody ever again. Like, no, I need you to do things. There's things I need you to do. There's things I need you to say. And so grow up, come back, right? Nothing wrong with coming back, but don't make these deals, right? Because the Lord's like, You're, I'm not impressed. Uh, just a person of faith would just come back. Said, yeah, I did it. Uh, I need you to forgive me. That's what a person of faith will, right? A person of low faith, oh, I need to pay for my own sins. Well, then why did Jesus go to the cross? You're going to go, I ain't going to the cross for you. You go to the, you know, uh, uh, but your, your, your sacrifice is not going to be sufficient to pay for the sins you've committed anyway, right? Him being a servant would have not been sufficient to pay for his sins. Uh, but sometimes we think, well, I'm going to do that. See, that's low mentality, Amen. Uh, be a person of great faith and say, Lord, you, you paid a great price for my sin. I have returned. Uh, and so, but he said, that's what he did. He said, uh, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Uh, I mean, he, he said that uh, uh, earlier there, he's talking about uh, how that, in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. The Lord rejoices when you repent. Why? Because he's like, I, 
I've got so much for you. I've been, I've been so frustrated. I've been wanting to give you all this stuff. Uh, and now, because you've repented, I can give it all to you. I can't wait to give it to you. When do you want it? Tuesday? It's, it'll be there Tuesday, in the morning, right? Not in the afternoon, it'll be there in the morning. That, he, great joy arises in the heart of the Lord when you're, and then what it, what it says right there? The father saw him and, uh, afar and ran towards him. Now, before that, nothing, right? Before, until he t- ch- chose to repent, the father was unable to bless him. Now, was he, was he the son w- when he returned to the father? He was, right? Uh, and, he, uh, and so the father came, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Uh, and, and so, uh, Jared, if you come back, I ain't kissing you, so, you know, uh, I'll, I'll shake your hand, right? Send you an email or something, but... Uh, and so, and the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven, which is true, and in thy sight, which is true, and am no more, no more worthy to be called thy son. Blah, 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 blah. And what was the father's response? The father completely, entirely ignored everything the son just said. Why? Because the father will always ignore stupid things. Right? If you say stupid things, he will ignore them. And he, he, doesn't, he doesn't hear, you know, his hearing you know, men have, have, have uh, uh, selective hearing, right? It, we're born that way. It's in our DNA. Uh, you know, uh, Chris could say, take out the garbage. Never happened. Those words never came out of her mouth. She'll say that, right? But, uh, but they just, somehow, they, they, they just don't make it to the eardrums, right? Uh, and, and when it comes to no faith, the Lord has to say he has selective hearing. He can't hear uh, doubt and unbelief. Uh, in fact, that's actually a true statement, right? Uh, and so... The father completely ignored everything the son said. Why? Because the son said nothing of value. It's not true that you are no longer worthy to be called. You're still my son. You were never not my son. You were my son went before you left. While you're doing these things, you're still my son right now. Uh, but now, see, I'm no longer frustrated. Now that you've repented, now I can get you all the blessings that I've been wanting to give you while you're out doing righteous living. Amen? So I, I do not frustrate the grace of God. You were like a prodigal son when you committed a sin, right? Now, you know, the size of the sin does matter, right? And what you did, I mean, so there are some ramifications to it. Sometimes in the natural realm, you, you may suffer some consequences of your sin. But in the spiritual realm, the father will run towards you. Now, see, uh, oftentimes we use the prodigal son in, in an evangelistic sense, but you could use it just as well in a, in a Christian uh, sense because he was the son before, during, and after he committed the sin, wasn't he? Amen? Uh, and so, are we making something that's, uh, are we making up stories? No, that's what it says, right? He was never not the son. He was always the son. Did he stop being a son when he sinned? No, but a lot of Christians say, if you commit a sin, you're no longer a child of God. Not what Jesus said. Now, uh, he said, now your relationship with the Father is strained, right? He's unable to, and frustrated to bless you the way he wants to, but you're still the child, of, you're still his child. Amen? And, and what did he get? When he came back, he got the, he got the coveted golden calf, right? Uh, and, and he said, uh, the father in verse 22 completely ignored everything the son said because it was dumb. Uh, and, and he said, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, uh, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and, and, and be merry. For this my son was dead. Uh, and, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and, and he, they began to make merry. Now, this is important, right? Because the son, was he actually dead? Was he, phys- was he in a grave somewhere? With the tombstone? You know, here lieth the son? No, he, he was actually alive. But the word dead there, uh, one of the definitions of, of dead means destitute of force or power. Inactive or inoperative, but destitute of force or power. 
A lot of Christians are living destitute of force or power. They're still a child of God, but they have no power in their life. Why? Because they choose to live riotous living, right? Uh, choose to live and do what they want to do. And so they're destitute of that. That's what the word, it, it's, you want to know, it, it's, it's uh, the Greek word is nekros, uh, and it's Strong's number 3498. I know you're wanting to know that, right? And so, so this son that was dead was destitute of force. No power in his life. Uh, and, that, and, and a lot of Christians, they, they kind of get used to, well, you know, God never does anything for me. Well, maybe you should repent. Maybe you should ask the Lord uh, where, where you need to repent. And he may, well, that thing you've held against your brother or sister or whatever for 27 years, that's what's, what's frustrating me all these years. Well, I'm not giving that up. Well, then keep on going. I mean, just stay, allow the Lord to be frustrated with you all your life, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, if we, would, if we would spend more time with the Lord, he would show us the hindrances of his blessings in our life. Uh, and, and, and all you got to do is repent. The, the man repented and what party, you know, heaven threw a party. The Lord will throw a party when you repent because he wants to bless you. He's always wanted to bless you. He's never not wanted to bless you. He's always wanted to give you unmerited favor every day of your life. Every single breath you take, he wants to give you unmerited favor. Uh, and that has never changed. And even when you go out and commit riotous living, the, the father, he does, did the father move? Did he change addresses? The son knew exactly where to find him. Right? He knew exactly where to go. And every child of God knows exactly where to go to repent if, if they'll do that, right? Uh, and so... Just real quick, uh, we're about out of time. We'll finish up with the elder son because uh, his story is just as important here to, for us to know that. Uh, he said uh, they began to make merry. And so some people say, well, it would be better than to live like this son, like this, like this uh, riotous living son. Go out and sow all your wild oats. You come back, get a party, right? Well, I mean, that's just dumb thinking, right? Because how was his life when he was out committing riotous living? He was eating pig slop, right? He, he was, uh, uh, no friends. All of his friends left him, right? Because every friend, everybody's got a friend when you got money in the bank. When you got no money, they're, they're not your friends anymore. So they're never your friends anyway, right? Uh, and so, so uh, and you're dead. You have no power in your life. You want to live that way with no power? I want to live with power in my life every day. I don't want to go for weeks with no power. I mean, last night, the power went off like a second at home. It was like, oh. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and so... Can you, you want to live that way? No power in your life? No, no, no power to, to, to obtain healing? No power to obtain peace? No power to obtain the blessings of heaven? You want to live that way? Uh, people are like, yeah. What, uh, let me check. Something wrong with you. Did you fall? Are, are you okay? You know, did, some, did you hit your head on something? Uh, and so, because uh, some people think, well, that, that's the way to live. You, you get to do whatever you want to, and you come back, and you get the party. That just is so... Such, Dumb thinking because did he have a good time when he was out there after the money ran out, after the blessings of heaven came to an end? Was his life good? No, his life was terrible, awful, dead. That's what he said to his father. You're living a life of no power, destitute of power and force. And so, of course, the elder son was in a field and came and drew nigh to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants, asked him what this meant. And he said, thy brothers come and thy father killed the fatted calf because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry. Uh, you know how many Christians get mad because somebody repents and suddenly it seems like God's blessing them because they repented? Well, you know, I've been, here. I've been faithful all this time. You know, nothing happened to me, right? Like, you sound just like the elder son, right? Uh, and, uh, and it's amazing how, how insightful these parables are that Jesus, because this explains like everybody in the whole world. I mean, he, he, he's, he's like, oh yeah, this is everyone right here. 
Uh, and he answered to, and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee? Neither transgress I at any time thy command, uh, thy commandment, and yet thou hast never given me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. And, but as soon as this, thy son, not my brother, thy son, right? Don't you know that, right? Because when your kids mess up, it, it's, it's, oh, your son did that. I thought it's your son too, right? Uh, and so, but as soon as this, thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, has, thou hast killed him the fatted calf. Uh, now, so what was the elder son doing without? He was doing without the fatted calf, right? He was doing, he, he didn't get to have no parties, uh, didn't get any, any, any super abundance from the father. He got a, you know, living, right? He, he was, but he was, and he was faithful, right? To serve the father, but he didn't get any special blessings from the father. And what did the father tell him? And he said to him, son, thou art ever with me and all that I have is yours. Well, right there, he said, it was meet or it was fitting that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again. It was lost and is found. But the, the key there, verse 31, uh, the, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is yours. So was that fatted calf that he killed for the younger son, was it also belong to the older son? Yeah, but did the older son ever take advantage of it? No. How many Christians ever take advantage of the blessings of a father and get mad when other people do? I mean, and they get, mad, they get mad at you. Oh, look at that fine car you're driving. Yeah, you should have one too, right? Oh, you, you just think you're all, you got a nice house. Yeah, you should have one too, right? Well, well you know, who do you think you are because you get to eat good food all the day? Well, you should eat good food every day too. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm nobody special, right? But people get mad at you because you're blessed. Well, you sound just like the older son. Mad because the Lord blesses me. And I don't have to go commit sin to go for the Lord to bless me. I just can be in faith. Well, I'm the older son. Everything the Lord has is mine. That's what he says. All that I have is yours. Not will be yours, is yours. It's yours right now. Everything the Father has belongs to us right now. And if we would have faith to go, well, Lord, you know, you can, can I have a fatted calf? I mean, you gave the, 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 the repentant son a fat. Can I have one too? We're like, yeah. You want a blue or white? You know, I don't know what color fatted calves are, you know, but whatever color they are, you want, you want a tall one or a short one, right? Uh, you want the 80% lean calf or you want the 90% lean calf? I don't know, Lord. Just give me that one over there, right? I don't even care. I just want it fat, right? I just want fat calf. Uh, and so, uh, so we can learn, you know, we, we don't want to be like the prodigal son, but we don't want to be like the elder son either. Elder son, no faith. No faith. He's thinking that, well, if I just work hard and, you know, get my 26-year Sunday school pen, that the Lord will bless me. He never asked. And father's like, it was always yours. Always yours. It, it was not going to be yours in the future. It was yours right now. It was yours when he, the son left. It was yours while he was out there doing it. It was yours the whole time, but you didn't ask. So don't get mad at me. Uh, and yet, how many people in church get mad? Well, I've never committed any sin, and I'm living a you know, terrible life. Well, then ask. Then do what the Father said. It's already yours. Don't we have an inheritance from heaven? Uh, we do, amen? Uh, and so, uh, are you the son before you commit a sin? Yes, you are. Are you a son even if you commit a sin? You are a son. Uh, are you a, sin, a son after you repent of the sin? Yes, you are, amen? But in the middle of that sin, when you've committed the sin and you refuse to repent and, and to confess that sin, what's the status? The Lord is frustrated, Amen? Now, it's, it may not be all-encompassing. It may be only one, one area of your life, right? So a lot of times, they're very, they're very small frustrations with the Lord. Suddenly, everything was easy, and, but right now, it's not. Well, Lord, why not? Well, he'll, he'll tell you, right? And then if you confess, then, then he throws a party for you. 
Isn't that what it says? Amen. Uh, and so we, we, I think that the Luke 15, I prefer Luke 15 is the story of your, of your Christian uh, in their day-to-day walk with the Lord. Uh, and neither son was the, was, the, was the great example, amen, with all the elder son. You know, he didn't commit all the sins. He committed the sin of no faith. The Bible says whatever not of faith is sin. And so he wasn't in faith at all. No sin, no faith at all, amen. Uh, and so and there's a lot of elder sons out there in the church that have no faith and they're not getting any blessing from heaven. They're not out doing righteous living. They're going to, I mean, they're faithful, going to church every service, right? Uh, showing up at church every day, uh, looking like a Christian, acting like a Christian, but, but not living like one in the sense of living in the blessings and unmerited favor of God. Uh, and I want to live that way. If the Lord said I can live that way, I want to live that way. If, it's, if I'm asking for something that I shouldn't have, then, then the Lord would tell me, you've asked for too much. And yet, I don't know if the Lord's ever told anybody he's asked for too much. Even when Elijah asked for a double portion, he's asked for a hard thing. But what did he still give him? Uh, Elisha, right? He still gave it to him, right? Uh, and so, uh, it, it's, uh, there's a great blessings available to us. If we would believe that, it'd be easy for us to go back to the Lord. Amen? When we commit a sin. Uh, and so, uh, when we come back uh, next, next week, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to start talking about a little bit more about uh, when we hear the word judgment, uh, of what does that mean for the, for the actual church, right? Because we started out with this discussion in 1 Peter chapter 4 about judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. So uh, does the Lord actually judge us on, while we're on this earth? We know we talked about the end time, but does he judge us? We'll talk about what that means and what that looks like from the word of God, amen? And we'll see what the word says, and then we'll go from there. Uh, instead of just saying, well, these bad things are happening, God must be judging me. Well, we're just trying to make an excuse for your poor decisions, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, let's, let's live by the word, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we, we desire for us to live in such a way that we never frustrate the grace of God. Father, we, we always allow the unmerited blessings and favor of God to come into our life. And Father, if there, if there is a frustration on your part, if there is a hindrance to your blessings flowing into our life, then I'm, I'm asking you, Father, to show us Father, give us an, another chance, Father. I know you've never forsaken us, Father, but, but uh, press through our, our dull hearing, Father, uh, and speak to us and show us, Father, areas where we have been a hindrance to your blessings in our life. And, Father, we will hear from heaven, and we will come and fall down at your feet, Father, and repent to confess, Father, and, and not try to earn our favor back from you, Father, by, by asking you to withhold blessings from us, but, Father, just to be people of faith and saying, Lord, you said you would cleanse me. I've come to be cleansed. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Uh, well, the Lord's good. Amen. Um, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. The Lord is good and kind to us. Uh, and uh, if he's good and kind to us, then it's, it should be easy for us to give. Amen. The Bible says give. Uh, according to your heart, right? Whatever the Lord tells you to do, then that's what you should do, right? Uh, and so uh, it's not whatever I tell you to do. I'm not, my, it's not my job to tell you what to do. Uh, and so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So Father, we do thank you. That it's an honor to give into your kingdom. Father, you have blessed us and increased us, Father. And so Lord, as an act of our free will, we choose to give into your kingdom. We thank you, Father, that as we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shaken together shall men give into our bosom. We thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, and so, um,
So next Sunday, we'll have a busy Sunday there. Uh, and um, uh, that's all right. We'll have a good time. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, of course, we're getting back to the beginning of the year here. And so uh, one thing I, I always encourage everybody, and I haven't really encouraged you much about it, but uh, uh, you know, for, uh, from a pastor's perspective, my desire is to get as many people in a church uh, so that we can teach them the, the blessing word of God, the blessed word of God. Amen. And to show them how to have a joyful and full and successful life. Uh, and so uh, uh, the, in the easiest way is for all of us to invite people uh, to church. Amen. Uh, and so uh, anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Right. You should never let the devil tell you, well, don't, you know, it's not about getting people in a church. It's all about getting people in the church so that we can teach them how to get into heaven. Amen. And if they're not on the way to heaven, we can teach them how to do that. But if they're on the way to heaven, we can teach them how to live days of heaven on the earth. Amen. Uh, and so, so I encourage you, you know, uh, let the Lord show you, you know, you don't have to go out in the street corner and, and do it. But uh, in your day-to-day life, there's always people that you can invite. Amen. Uh, and uh, you all do a great job. And so, but it's just good to remind yourselves about those things. Amen. Uh, and so be blessed. We have a healing school today at 3 o'clock. Uh, you're dismissed.